The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I don't know if it's just coincidence or I just have a selective hearing or what, but it seems to me that whenever I'm about to do a really hot topic, <laughs> controversial topic, that that um, disclaimer, you know, that the views are only of me, <laughs> seems to go on louder or something or go on at all. But that's okay. I'm happy to have the privilege to be able to talk to you about these hot topics, these really important things. And today is certainly no exception because um, <laughs> my guest today, Cheryl Chumley, has written a new book. It's called Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And the, you know, the immediate uh, genesis for having her on today is um, what's happening in Murrieta. I mean, today's show is entitled Orwell's Nightmare, a reality in Murrieta, California. Um, but, you know, when we're going to talk about that, we're going to start off by talking about that. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, you will, you need to listen because um, this is super important. But we're also going to be talking about some of the other things that she uh, writes about in her book, Police State, because um, this is the current uh, as she calls it, the current uh, constitutional crisis. But she has been studying this for years, like 15 years. Is that right, Cheryl? Yes, it is. Yes. As an award-winning news writer with the Washington Times and also uh, writing for other publications. Um, and so her book is a compilation of all her research of how, <laughs> how she has seen America going down the tubes in the last 15 years. And I was telling her before we started that I totally, totally agree. And those of you who have listened to previous shows know that I try to let you uh, bring on guests who can tell you about these things so that we can wake up from our apathy and do something about it before it is too late. So Cheryl, welcome to the show. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Carroll. Um, what? Let's before we get into Murrieta, what how did you get into, you know, what has set you on this path to expose um what's going wrong with America? Right. Uh 
Well, I have been in the field of reporting and news for about 15 years, and, you know, I started out on the local level seeing local government uh, permitting and zoning offices, you know, deny, deny, deny for various, uh, usually environmental regulatory reasons, uh, uh, various requests to build houses on privately owned properties. And I've seen people leave from those meetings in tears because they spent $500,000 on their property only to find out, no, you can't build the home of your dreams after Mm. all because of this little environmental regulation. And that set me down the path of thinking what government uh, can do to an average citizen. And it's just, you know, uh, watching, reporting, and I have four kids of my own, and I'm really worried about the state of the nation that we're handing the next generation is nothing like what founding fathers uh, envisioned. Yes, yes. Um, I have a daughter as well, and I worry about that all the time. I mean, I worry about it for all of us. I worry about the future of America. Actually, one of the things that I keep thinking about is how at some point in the future, and it's probably going to be sooner rather than later, how kids in school, like high school kids or, or even middle school kids, are going to be reading history books, you know, going up to modern day, and are going to be scratching their heads and wondering how did Americans allow their country to go down the tubes like this? It's a terrible thought, and, you know, in the school systems right now, there already is a lot of that propaganda going on where our founding father history is skewed to the point of our founding fathers being painted as racist. (laughs) And, you know, it's things like that, that if we don't wake up and teach our children differently, which starts with educating ourselves, the next generation is not going to know that our rights, as envisioned by the founding fathers, came from God, and they continue to come from God, not government. Yes, um, you're talking about Common Core, right? Well, Common Core and actually any type of federal overreach into the public education system is something to watch with wary eyes because when the federal government gets involved in local education issues, it usually brings uh, some type of partisan political slant that does not favor the conservative traditional crowd. Yes, yes. Um, okay, why don't we talk about Murrieta? Um, what is the, what's been happening there? What's the current status and why does that concern you? Right. Murrieta has become sort of the uh, dumping ground where protests have rallied because the federal government, as I'm sure your listeners are all aware, have been opening the borders in recent weeks to tens of thousands of illegal immigrant minor-aged children coming up from Central America. And, you know, because the borders have been swarmed now with these children, the federal government has reacted trying to find out where we're going to put them. Well, Murrieta, for some reason, and nobody really knows why. It's a small town of maybe 106,000 residents, a sleepy bedroom community, the local mayor describes it. For some reason, that particular community was targeted by feds to bus uh, bus busloads of these illegals, uh, some of them with mothers, most of them just children, to the area and dump them off for processing and, um, you know, eventual movement to different facilities. So the residents there... They didn't want these illegals coming in their community because they say, well, first and foremost, this is our community and these people are breaking the law and our federal government is entirely improper in busing them here and helping them break the law. So they've met these busloads with protest signs and, 
excuse me, in, in fact, in one case, on one particular day, they were able to turn the buses away. The buses drove up uh, maybe 80 miles away and dropped the illegals off there. But the site has become a really hot point for, uh, you know, pro-amnesty people versus rule-of-law type people, and it's become a real breeding ground for all kinds of protests against the federal government, against these illegal immigrants. And, uh, you know, you have your pro-amnesty crowd gathering there also. Well, you know, and of course, well, to tell us about the political. Well, you know, I mean, it, what's what's striking is how it was so secret. Like, how did how did all of these? How many are there now? We're saying tens of thousands. How many are there? Well, the estimates are uh, there were fifty. I don't mean just in Murrieta. I, I mean, you know, coming into the country altogether. Yeah, I think there's been 56,000 so far this year with between 60 and 90,000 estimated before the end of the year. Wow. So how did, I mean, but, but we seem to be having right now like a, uh, a flood. How, how did these people all of a sudden, um, I mean, yes, I know that, you know, there's been illegal immigration all along, but how did this flood happen? Well, my view of that is that President Obama basically telegraphed his open border policy back in 2012 when he signed an executive order uh, refusing to deport uh, certain certain classes of minor-aged illegal kids who are currently in America. That impacted up to 800,000. And it sent the message out that this administration uh, is pro-open border. Come on in. We're not going to to deport you. In January, the Department of Homeland Security put out an ad for 65,000, I think it was, uh, new Border Patrol agents who would help with the expected tide of illegal minor age children. And it specifically wanted uh, agents who would be nannies, for lack of a better word. They wanted people who were able to babysit these people. And so that kind of gives rise to the federal government having an indication, even though they deny Mm. it, um, having an indication that all these minor-age kids were going to be flowing across the borders. Central America media seems to think that Obama wants these illegal Mm. children to come up here because their, their media reports actually encourage illegals, actually encourage minor age kids to make the journey. Well, yes, you know, um, cynically, that's what I was thinking, that, I mean, obviously, just to kind of spell it out, <laughs> obviously, um, the reason why Obama, and correct me or add to it, um, the reason why Obama wants all these illegal uh, aliens, immigrants, to come in general is because they are going to be more likely to vote for his um, the things that he wants, which is basically handouts from the government, um, free, you know, free money, free food, free everything. Um, and it seems like it would be harder for people, you know, he's saying humanitarian, we should take all these people in. It seems like the theory was um, that if you have children crossing the border, it would be harder to uh, take a firm stand and, and say that they're illegal and send them back. 
Well, I, I agree. Uh, to the second point, first, um, yeah, it's really emotional. How can you, how can you stand there and call a, a little four-year-old kid, you know, you're illegal, you need to go home, mm-hmm. knowing full well that that home is probably poverty, poverty-stricken, and, you know, there could be a lot of violence and gang-related crime and so forth. So it's very difficult to take a stand without being accused of being, you know, completely cold-hearted. But at the same time, there is a thing in this nation called the rule of of law, and we should feel compassion for those communities who are impacted also by this flow of illegal kids, because they're the ones that have to deal with it. It's very easy to be a politician in the safety of Capitol Hill and point fingers, you know, hundreds of miles away and wag your fingers at the American people and demand, well, you need to uh, have a soft heart for these children. But I don't see any of these uh, these same politicians offering to open their own private <laughs> homes to house, clothe, feed, and and nurture these same mm-hmm. children, and possibly, you know, opening the doors to some of these diseases that have been reported to be carried across the border onto their own children. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you know, compassion, it, it takes a little bit more hard work at thinking of the right thing to do. Yes, yes. Well, just one quick question. Did 65,000 people sign up? 65,000 Homeland Security Border Patrol people sign up? I don't think that many have been hired yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we need to give a we need to give a, a telephone number or a website or something. Well, I guess the Homeland Security website, right? Help them out. That's right. They yes. need help. You need a job. You're unemployed. Go to the Homeland Security website. This is a great job. All right. We need to take a break. My guest is Cheryl Chumley. Her book, her new book, is called Police State USA: How Orwell's Nightmare Is Becoming Our Reality. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Kara Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking today about Orwell's Nightmare, a reality in Murrieta, California. And this is, you know, Orwell's Nightmare, (laughs) and it's the American dream going down the tubes. 
in Murrieta and all over. My guest is Cheryl Chumley. She is the author of a new book called Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. So, um, uh, we were talking about Murrieta before the break, and I want to, what is, well, tell us a little bit more about that, about how, you know, what the, how the feds responded to these original protests and what the status is now. Well, the, the latest is that there have been reports from some at the scene who are under the impression, based on conversations with local police down there, that the federal government is considering or is en route to sending in armed agents. Uh, and the way I look at this, at this is, is this the next Clive and Bundy? Uh, Clive and Bundy, of course, was the Nevada cattle rancher who had the armed standoff with Bureau of Land Management uh, agents, which ended peaceably, but only after Senate Majority Harry Reid, uh, Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid ordered a stand down of the BLM agents. And, you know, agents, uh, federal authorities taking up arms against American citizens for things like constitutional protests is something that really, it, it, I don't know how else to describe it. That is a police state USA. Mm hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, so that ended, so how, and how is it, re- so the federal agents went home, basically, for Clive, but how, how did the, um, how did, how did it resolve after that? Well, the protests are still ongoing because as far as the federal response is, the mayor down there has been trying to ask questions of the federal authorities to find out how many more buses are coming, how many more of these illegal children do we have to deal with and process and so forth. And he's not getting any answers at all from the federal authorities. At least that was the latest that I heard on it. And the protests are still uh, in the area. There's still people waiting to see what's going to become and whether you know more busloads are coming, what, what the what the issue is going to end up being? Because the biggest question right now is, what are the feds going to do? Nobody seems to know. And of course, that's part of the plan to keep people, you know, uh, ignorant of, uh, so that they can't plan to do something more protests. Um, and it, you know, and of course, it doesn't really. I mean, this happens to be Murrieta. But it could be any city. And, in fact, why is it that in Texas, I mean, have there been protests in Texas? I haven't really heard of any. Why haven't there been protests before this or in other places for the same reasons? Well, I'm a little bit surprised that California, of all places, has staged a protest because California is a big open borders, uh, you know, they have a lot of amnesty-type communities there. Um, so I was a little bit surprised that Murrieta took it on itself to stage a protest. As far as other similar-type protests going on in, in communities where other illegals right now are being bussed and transported, I haven't heard of any similar-type protests. I don't see why other communities wouldn't do the same. You know, this is certainly a drain on taxpayer revenues. It's certainly a drain on Border Patrol manpower. And, you know, all it seems to be is a feel-good pat on the back for the politicians who, you know, say that they support the children. And as far as everybody else, we're left to pick up the pieces. And, of course, you know, another part of this that's not really being talked about is um, amongst all these children and their mothers and whoever else is coming across, I mean, the, the, aside from, from those problems, um, there's the threat of terrorists coming across, easily mixed in with whoever else is coming. 
Yeah, that's an excellent point, Dr. Carroll, and that's one that, you know, really has been pushed to the side. There's a lot of talk about the protests. There's a lot of talk about the condition of the children who are being bussed over, uh, but there's not really a whole lot of talk going on about the unstated elephant in the room, which is counterterrorism is really being pushed to the side. Our borders are a sieve right now. And I know if I were a radical uh, Muslim seeking to blow up some uh, site in America, I would look to the southern borders as the <laughs> ideal location to enter right now. Yes, yes, of course, because there are so many people, it's so easy to, to be lost in the crowd. You can probably hop aboard the bus and get a ride somewhere. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, the mayor of Murrieta is saying that it's not Murrieta citizens, it's uh, other people who are coming down to protest. And that may be true that some of the people are, are that it's not all Murrieta residents. You know, probably that is true because Murrieta people are, you know, more laid back and so on. But it doesn't matter. I mean, here, hats off to the people who are coming down to protest. Um, that's not a bad thing. It's somebody standing up for America. No, it's not a bad thing at all, and I have no doubt there are plenty of people from neighboring communities and even out of state uh, converging right now on Murrieta because it has become sort of a ground zero, and the eyes of the media world are kind of mm-hmm. focused on that right now, so it's a great way to get your message out. Uh, you know, it, 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 there's some negatives to that, too. When you see things like protesters holding up signs saying, go home, uh, illegals, and take birth control, you know, stuff like that, these are still people, you know, they're still, we're all part of the same human race, and I I find that a little bit um, disgusting to read signs like that, but at the same time, it just highlights the frustration of Americans who were born here, or immigrants who entered and went through the long process to become a legal citizen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just a little bit frustrating. Yes, um, I mean, I mean, yes, I, you know, I agree. There's no call for being rude, but you know, psych, even just as as a psychiatrist, um, yes, I know conditions are horrendous in some of these countries that that the people are coming from, poverty and gangs and so on. But but if we, <laughs> I mean, if we opened our borders to all the people who were living in these poor situations. Um, I mean, it would, it would, it is overrunning America as it is. Um, I mean, the the answer is to try to make these other places better, not to not for everybody to to come here. And as I was just starting to say, as a psychiatrist, the idea for a child of being put on a bus or sent across the border one way or another without their family or even just with their mother and not anybody else in their family or, you know, leaving all their ties, no matter how bad it is there, to be sent by yourself and no matter how well-meaning their parents might be, you know, I'll give my child a better life, um, that, is, that is devastating for a child to be um, put on, well, you know, to be sent uh, alone um, to another country. Yeah, it's unimaginable for most American moms and dads to think of doing that. And, you know, it's either that it's so desperate that, it, it, you know, where, where these children originate from, that that seems to the parent or guardian more compassionate than leave, leaving them there, or it's politically motivated, not necessarily by the parents, but by the, you know, the political players pulling the strings on this, which I think is stemming from, you know, the White House, as I explained before. Mm-hmm. So 
so, uh, you know, I agree with you what you're saying. It's just an egregious thought thinking of a parent you know, shipping your kid off with no with no parental guidance to who knows where to lands unknown and so forth. Um, you know, but it's upsetting our our American system, and pretty soon it's going to be capsized so that we're going to be a land of yes. immigrants, illegal, exactly. yes, who don't know what America is supposed to be. Yes, that's exact. Of course, that's where it's going um, because there's just in numbers. That's where it's going. Um, well, let's talk about some of the other things that you talk about in your book, um, some of the other examples of uh, trends threatening the freedom of the American people. And you have a whole list. Let's, we can, the, let me just read the list, and then we can talk, pick one. Um, the growth of government data centers, the rise of militarized police, we've been talking about that, the federal government grabbing private property through civil forfeiture, the media turning a blind eye to government abuses, increased use of drone spying, that's the new thing, on American citizens, the Obama administration's embrace of radical Islam, the increasing influence of overreaching environmentalists, and much more. So, which, um, what is the, the, well, I don't know, which one does pick one? I mean, it's all horrible. Pick one. It's all horrible. Yes, it is. You know, when I was researching the book, I think one of the things that seemed most shocking to me was the civil forfeiture uh, laws that are in place right now that allow government to take away properties without due process of law. And the reason it was so surprising to me is because, first off, it's widespread. It's everywhere, uh, all across the United States, in, all, in almost all of your local police departments. And second off, it's government-mandated theft of property, basically. What it does is uh, the war on drugs in 1970 led the U.S. Uh, Department of Justice and the U.S. Marshals Service to create these laws where police departments at state and local levels could seize properties that were used during the uh, commission of a crime. And mm-hmm. so that meant, you know, if a drug dealer was uh, selling drugs out of a car, the police could not only arrest him, but mm-hmm. confiscate his car. Mm-hmm. But what it's morphed into is a civil forfeiture af- asset uh, forfeiture uh, atmosphere where police don't don't need to uh, charge anybody with a crime. The the victim does not need to be convicted in court, but the properties can still be kept by the local police department, and they can in turn either use that cash for their local revenues, or they can sell the properties if it's cars, boats, cell phones, what have you, airplanes even, and use a portion of those proceeds to fund their local police departments. This is something that has been like hitting up people left and right, and they're put in the position of having to go to court to fight to win back their properties huh. by proving that they're innocent, which is near impossible. Huh. So give, what are some examples of, okay. of, of cases that this people that this has happened to? Well, there was, um, I, I profile a few in my book. Uh, there was a man in Maryland who owned a restaurant. And so uh, he wanted to buy some equipment for his restaurant, and there was a sale down south. So he took his wife, his, uh, their 16-month-old son, and a fellow restaurant employee to make the trip down through Texas. He was in this little portion of roadway called Tenaha, Texas. And in his car, he was carrying with him over $50,000 in cash. The reason being is because in his business, 
as cash talked, he could get a lot better bargain for equipment if he paid in cash. Mm -hmm. And so when he reached this particular portion of roadway, the local police officers had deemed this like a heavily traveled drug roadway. So they always watched for out-of-state license plates. Mm -hmm. They pulled this guy over. This guy, did, you know, he had all the proper license documentation, but they had a drug dog with him. The police (sighs) officer did. And so the police officer told this guy, just because I have a drug dog, that gives me the right to search your car. The guy didn't know any better, so he let the officer. The officer found the cash, three cell phones, and some other properties, confiscated everything, including the car, put three adults in jail, the child in Child Protective Services, and took the properties back to the police department. The next day, they're all released because there's no charges on them, no crime committed. They bring their um, son back, and they're allowed to go without their properties. They spent months trying to fight for their properties back in court because they weren't convicted of any crime. It took them, you know, hundreds of dollars to get an attorney uh, to win back their properties. Turns out there were a thousand cases like that in a two or three year span of time on that exact roadway where police were just using this as a cash cow to bring in revenues. The ACLU sued successfully, and the judge found an egregious overreach of government use of civil asset forfeiture laws. Oh, wow. Hmm. But these and you know, happen, it, it if was, you're pulled over for a speeding ticket, that's something you need to be aware of. It could happen. Yes, yes. And I'm sure it costs more than hundreds of dollars to get an attorney. We're talking <laughs> thousands here and tens of thousands, probably. Well, all right, we need to take another break. Um, my guest is Cheryl Chumley. Her book is Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And we'll be back with more of these nightmares. Um, You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Orwell's Nightmare, a reality in Murrieta, California, and for all of us. Um, my guest is Cheryl Chumley. Her book is Police State USA, how Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. 
And I was reading before a list of some of the highlights of Cheryl's book, and one of them is the growth of government data centers. And I was wondering if you could tell us about that. And also, um, (laughs) one of the things that I have been curious about is uh, the iPhone, the latest iPhone, where uh, and the iCloud, um, where but with the latest iPhone, where you you can have a fingerprint be uh, the way to get into the iPhone. I don't know, you know, maybe I'm I'm too cynical or paranoid or something, but this all seems to be part of the same thing of of the government gathering data. Well, it is part and parcel of the same technology, you know, the biometrics and the rise in using, you know, things like retina scans or fingerprints in order to access certain devices or buildings. That's all part of the rise of, uh, you know, this technology, scary-type, creepy stuff going on right now. As far as the data collection goes, uh, you know, I guess as a quick bullet point, there, there are 72 different fusion centers around the United States. Every state has one, major one and minor ones, and what those are, those are data collection points for the federal government. They were set up mostly to, uh, you know, counter terrorism, but what they've morphed into, because Capitol uh, Capitol Hill hearings have shown that the terrorism intel coming out of these data centers is next to nothing. So now police and law enforcement are using them to collect data that can give them heads up on certain crimes. And why that matters to you is the L.A. Police Department, for instance, put out a policy a couple years ago that if somebody was, say, scribbling on a notepad in a public park or snapping away at a camera in front of a government building, then that could be cause for suspicion. And a local police officer, if possible, could gather data on that individual, Mm. perhaps, you know, snapping a picture of the guy as he walks back to his car or scribbling the license plate and a description of the woman as she gets inside. That information can be sent up the chain to, you know, state and then federal levels placed in in one of these data centers where a file can be created Mm. on the as-yet unnamed individual. But the problem is... Nobody knows why this information is being collected. The government's just collecting all kinds of information all the time on everybody, creating files, adding to the files as it becomes more known, you know, who the person in the file is. And most Americans have no idea that their data is being collected that way. Uh, part of the problem is when you look at biometrics also, when you look at your fingerprint scans and your retina scans, where is that information going? In order to unlock your iPhone with your um, with a fingerprint, there has to be a data somewhere created that identifies mm. you as the owner of that fingerprint. Mm. So when you think, who has access to that database? Who has access to my fingerprint? That becomes a little bit more alarming, uh, more so if you have no idea, uh, less so if maybe you have an idea, but it's usually a government or police source that has access to that data. Yes, and this, well, the same thing um, with with using the iCloud, right? Because um, then the government, you know, or whoever has access to this, also knows where you are at any one given time. I'm not uh, completely familiar with the iCloud, but I I have heard it say that uh, the iCloud is not exactly the most secure system to use. Uh, There's some infringement of privacy issues, probably what you're just describing. Well, and also the I guess I'm thinking also of the locator, you know, where you can have that um, feature 
Um, I mean, theoretically, to locate your phone if it's stolen, but it could be used for people to locate you. Well, and you know, there's some businesses out there that are jumping aboard, uh, speaking of using a locator-type technology. Uh, there's some businesses that what they do is they um, key into your cell phone and know when you walk into their store, and they use that as marketing purposes and so forth. But it's a little bit creepy to know that your local department store <laughs> may, may be keying in on your whereabouts just for marketing purposes. Yes, yes, I was hearing something about that with, uh, with grocery stores also, you know, to, so that you could, uh, it could show you all different sales or, you know, different thing, enti- things to entice you to buy various products. Yes, it's, it's just getting, you know, too much. All right, what about, um, what about drone spying? Yeah, drone, drones are definitely going to be uh, a soon enough thing. We're going to be seeing them in our, in our generation, I believe. I think what's going to happen is the private sector is going to drive this. The FCC or Congress tasked the FCC with coming up with a policy for commercial use of drones by the year 2015. Amazon has already indicated real interest in doing product deliveries by drone. Yeah. There was a pizza chain that wanted to do that also. So I... I think what's going to happen is people are going to think this is kind of cool. You know, yeah. when you order a pizza and here comes the drone. <laughs> but it, it's going to be a little bit more scary when your local police department has those. And yeah. maybe you won't even know when they're flying them because they mix in so well with the pizza drones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> I know, that is the thing. We're, we're like mesmerized, um, seduced by all this high-tech stuff, and people are not, you know, they don't want to think about what it's really doing to us. I mean, there's some talk about, I mean, I can attest to how, uh, from patients and so on, how um, social media, you know, all the match sites and all the uh, Facebook and, you know, all these different sites are, are causing a lot of problems in relationships as people are tending to cheat and thinking it's not really cheating, it's just online, and then suddenly it comes offline and so on. You know, there's some talk about that, but I think people really aren't, aren't, don't, are so mesmerized by all this that they don't really want to look into some of the other effects, like the, the effects on kids, um, little kids who are already have smartphones or um, laptops or, you know, who, who, I mean, yes, of course there are some wonderful um, properties to it. I mean, you know, access to all this information and so on. But at the same time, there are some, some downsides and we're just so caught up in what we can do, what's the latest thing, the newest thing that we can do, that we're not really thinking about how we're not relating to each other, which of course goes hand in hand with what you're talking about. Because the, the less we see each other as human, you know, the more we're into technology and the less we see each other as human, um, then the easier it is for things to, for us to be taken over, so to speak, by this police state. You know, that's a really good point. Um, like, like you were just describing, the less you see people as human, the easier it is to regulate them, say. Yes. If you're a government official, you know, it's certainly easy for you to regulate and control somebody when you don't really see them as a person. You know, you see them as just a number on a computer screen. And uh, I bet that has a lot to do with this drive that our government has about reaching into every aspect of human activity, it seems, as of late. Yes, yes. Well, well um, go into how, like, how might drones be used um, by the state 
to uh, in negative ways. Right. Well, in this country, I guess at its root, in, in this country we have, you know, the supposition that you are innocent until proven guilty. And there are certain procedures laid out in the Constitution and, you know, through the court system, years of trial and error and so forth, where when you're an accused, you have certain rights that have to be maintained. Um, you know, there's a certain dignity to it and there's a certain rule of law that goes with it. But when you have drones, you know, picture it. If you're a suspect, and as a matter of fact, Back a few years ago when I was covering local police, they took out, you know, helicopters uh, to chase down a suspect who had stolen a $50 wood stove. And it was crazy. But it was thing, it, think of something like that, just a minor crime, and the police unleashing drones to track all kinds of, you know, suspected criminals for whatever crimes they may or may not have committed. And, you know... Drones are a little bit more intimidating than, you know, a human factor, even though police have been a little bit more militarized and more aggressive as late. I still would rather deal with a police officer than a, uh-huh. than a drone. And the other aspect is drones uh, collect and record uh, data. You know, so you can't tell when you're out and about. If You can't tell if you're being recorded, if you're, you know, your, your, your voice, your activities are actually being recorded. And if so, where is that information? being sent. Again, it's a major privacy hit. Yes. And, uh, I mean, even aside from the state, um, the government, um, even in more and more places, just privately owned places even, you'll see signs or you don't see the signs that say, you know, this is under uh, video surveillance. I mean, and, and yes, there are, does, it, does it cut down on crime? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm sure in stores, you know, it cuts down on crime when you have cameras in the stores. But usually when you go into a store, you're aware of that. Most stores, most shoppers know when you go into a store, there are security cameras. And like you said, there's usually signs posted if you're not aware of that. But with drones and government surveillance, the big issue is, you know, are you informed that this Mm. surveillance is going Mm. on? Mm -hmm. And that's the major difference. Yes, yes. Of course, they're now even going beyond in stores. I mean, now it's on buildings and so on. It just seems they, it seems to be growing this whole um, video surveillance. Uh, and you just wonder. I mean, yes, of course, it would be great to cut down on crime, but is it is it over is it overkill? And are there other reasons behind it? Well, most of this surveillance type technology is aimed at uh, counterterrorism. That's what the justification is. That's how it's sold to the public, that it's a good thing. Unfortunately, most of it isn't yielding any type of good intel that can root out terrorist type activities. So what it's morphed into is justification for crime, you know, rooting out crime. It's all for the safety and security of the average citizen. But what it's doing, it's turning everybody into a suspect. You know, when you walk out your street now, and if there's a camera in the street lamp, as Mm -hmm. there are in some cities across America, you're immediately being videotaped as a suspect. You know, Mm -hmm. a couple decades ago, you just walked down the street and you were an innocent American. It's Mm -hmm. kind of flipped and morphed now. Huh, yeah. Yeah. That, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, I, in, in regard to some things, um, I do feel like we do have to uh, do some more than we were doing uh, in terms of being um, careful of terrorists. I mean, 
I don't know that you know, but um, I, I wrote a book called Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted that was published in London. Oh, wow. And I am in the process of getting it published here. Um, and uh, so I get, you know, really frustrated with how much in denial we are. Um, you know, how people think that 9-11 happened, they believe it's still not affecting us, which it is, and um, how they think it can't happen again. And yet then <laughs> we hear things like all of a sudden, uh, you know, like as if the terrorists have suddenly forgotten about America, they're not going to bother anymore after 9-11 or after the Boston Marathon um, or after uh, the Army um, Corporal or whatever he was. Um, but, uh, but... But in fact, now we have just the, this week, you know, there's news about the new airline regulations about the smartphones. Right. So really, this whole, this threat has not gone away, is not going away. And so, yes, that some things are, I think, valid, but, but how much of this is being used to be an excuse for what the real agenda is, which is getting, you know, Find, getting these files. I mean, it is just like Orwell. It's exactly what you're saying. Well, I, I guess I would have, I agree with you that things need to be done to counter terrorism. That is a rightful role of our government. But the things that make common sense to do, like clamping down on the borders, mm-hmm. like maybe doing some type of intel work at the airports instead of actually patting down baby diapers <laughs> and making World War II vets stand up in their wheelchairs so you can mm-hmm. sift through their pockets. You know, more common sense counter terrorism yes. and less politically correct stuff. Yes, yes. Well, we need to take another break. My guest is Cheryl Crumley. Her book is Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so stay tuned. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Orwell's Nightmare, a reality in Murrieta, California, with my guest, Cheryl Crumley. Chumley? (laughs) Let's try that again. Cheryl Chumley. 
the author of Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And, you know, I was thinking um, perhaps in this last segment you could talk a little about, just to remind people who may have read um, Orwell's book, uh, back in high school or college or something, um, what some of the things that were going on then in his book? Right. Uh, yeah, it, it was. It was a book about fascism, basically, and it was about a society where the government controlled, unbeknownst to many of those who were alive uh, during the story, the government controlled and watched every aspect of their lives. They had, you know, Big Brother mandated exercise times. Uh, they had Big Brother watching out for thought crimes. They had uh, Big Brother advising children and training children, much much as in Cuba, I would imagine, uh, you know, to tattletale on parents who who spoke out in critical uh, tones against the government and so forth. And, you know, it was basically what happens in a society where the government controls everything from activity to thought. Yes. And and the purpose of it was for the government to be, well, it was for power and and control. I mean, power and and uh, just so that the government stays in power, the people who are in power and the government stay in power. Right. It was a few elitists who had, you know, the the power and control of the rest of the population, and they kept the population in check by, you know, creating kind of false chaotic situations where one country would battle against another country and then next thing you know those same countries would be friends but united battling against another country. Doesn't that sound familiar? In in chaos not knowing who to believe and so the population then would believe the government mantra and that that was how they lived. Mm -hmm. And and that's what's happening now. (laughs) Unfortunately, yes. If you read my book, uh, you know, Please, if you can come up with any other conclusion, then this is a police state USA we're living in. I'd love to hear it, but there's just so much going on if you watch news. It's hard to come to any other conclusion. And talking about news, I mean, it is very disturbing how the media is not um, publicizing this as much as it should. Like, you wonder, why isn't everybody talking about this on every single evening or morning newscast all over America? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's the talk radio that's carrying this whole debate. You know, I think most in America feel it, feel that there's something wrong with our nation, and you don't even hear about it. You won't hear about it on Fox News half the time. You won't hear about it, never mind, on the mainstream media, but... Um, you know, it's it's the talk radio that's kind of stepped forward and is keeping this debate alive in people's hearts and minds. And the media has really fallen down on its job. It used to be that watchdog and media were just one and the same, and now they've created a special slot of watchdog reporters. But even those watchdog reporters, the few that are in existence out there, a lot of them just take press releases, rewrite them, and stick them, you know, in the newspaper as their byline story. There's not a whole whole lot of deeper reporting uh, of things that Americans care about, you know, their freedoms, their constitutional rights and so forth, that's going on anymore. Yes, yes, it's very, very unfortunate. Um, What, so how long has your book been out? Uh, It came out on May 27th. Okay, and And what has been the reaction? 
since it's been pretty well received, it it does seem like there's a lot of interest. And what's what's funny is, you know, I, I get interest from both left and right. There's just as many liberals out there, uh, you know, like the ACLU. The ACLU, they do a lot of things that anger conservatives, but on the militarization of police, they do a lot of uh, very good report mm. on that. Uh, but there's a lot of conservatives out there, too, who are seeing the same demise of our nation with growing alarm. So the good news is that this type of issue is a unifier. I see a lot of poli- uh, I see a lot of uh, political get-togethers, you know, where left and right are are in agreement on these issues. So, what do you think needs to be done? In addition, I mean, I hope that you're you are making book tours and or reaching, trying to. Well, I mean, I'm sure you're trying to reach as many people as possible. <laughs> But what do you think, I mean, what, have you gotten any people saying, oh, you're just paranoid, um, oh, this, will, this could never happen in America, oh, that there kind of thing? There were a couple people who wrote um, a review on Amazon where it said, you know, paranoid, right-wing, something, <laughs> but... You know, in my book, all all it is, it's just, it's like a glimpse in time of what mainstream news has been reporting for the last two or three years. And I have pages upon pages of citations and notes. So if you don't believe something I'm saying, all you have to do is flip to the back of the book and you, you can see, oh, CNN reported on this very issue on such and such a date, and you can look it up. Uh-huh. So, you know, you can't call this paranoid. And really, all you have to do is flip on your news and, and read the local newspaper paper, you can see these events unfolding around you every day in your own community. And, you know, I think maybe that's part of the problem, too, that um, it's become, I mean, the news gets, uh, the world, <laughs> it gets crazier and crazier. You put on your computer or your radio or however you get the news, um, and you open the newspaper. <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> um, and... Uh, and you see things that, you know, a year ago, um, certainly 10 years ago, but even a year ago, you wouldn't have believed. I mean, you would think that this was some, 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 some paper from Mars or something. Right. And, you know, going back to one of the very first points you made um, at the start of the show, you know, apathy probably seeps in. Because while people may not be aware of everything that's going on, they're certainly aware of some things, but it's still overwhelming. Where do I fight? How do I turn back the tide? How do I make it so my kids inherit a future that's better than the one I had? And, you know, there are some solutions. None of them are easy overnight fixes, but at least we can all start the fight and turn back the tide and keep our country from crumbling completely. Yes, um, and, it, and it is true. There are so many factors going against people remembering um, what the Founding Fathers had in mind, from the core curriculum to um, immigrants not having any idea about this and, and coming over, and if they're illegal, you know, they don't necessarily... I mean, the ones who are legal obviously have to pass tests to learn about the country and so on, but the influx, the flood of people who are illegal don't. Yeah, and that's a that's a real tra- travesty for our nation because it's it's not going to be long before the balance is tipped. Yes. You know, these people are coming from countries where they're used to the government providing for them, mm-hmm. and they're coming into a country where it's supposed to be the government is subservient to the people. They're, the government's only there to protect what God 
grants the people in terms of rights. And most people coming in illegally, they don't grasp that. And even if they did, they don't care. They want their government solutions. They want the entitlements. They want, you know, everything that they think they're entitled to right away. Yes, and of course, in California is a great example of this, how, um, you know, the more people... The more people become dependent upon the government and the less they work and the less, um, I mean, yes, of course, unemployment, it's not just about people not wanting to work. There are lots of people who want to work. But, um, but then the more dependent it becomes like an addiction, they become more and more dependent. Okay, I want to make sure I give out where people can buy your book. Again, my guest is Cheryl Chumley. Her book is Police State USA, How Orwell's Nightmare is Becoming Our Reality. And you can, of course, buy it at Amazon, but you can also buy it at WNDbooks.com. W as in <laughs> WND, as in World <laughs> News Daily is what it stands for. WNDbooks.com and Amazon. Well, thank you so much, Cheryl. I wish you lots of luck with this. I hope so many people, I hope you reach a lot of people that they listen and they realize and they know, <laughs> they don't put you in a straitjacket. They, they look at your citations and realize that these things really are happening and we have to do something to preserve America. Thank so, you so much, Dr. Carol. It was great. You're very welcome. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.